shack or the bows in the ravine. Yeah. We stayed there till we got our first pay. And then we moved into the old Clinton Hotel. How old were you? I think I was uh, 13 or something. And you moved into a hotel by yourselves? Yeah. And they let you? Yeah. Yeah. How much you pay? No, that old Clinton Motel, I think it, uh, I think the old one burned down. We were happy to get out of our shack we made out of bows. We didn't have a heck of a lot to eat. And who were you with? My brother Walter. Oh yeah. How much older was he than you? About two years. So you would have been how old? And 13 and he was 15? Yeah. Walter was he heavily built. Big bone. Different days than now, somebody would have reported you to the cops. Oh, them days the cops didn't do much. No. Them days it was just the provincial police. I think the RCMP come in in 1950 or 49 somewhere. The old provincial police, I knew, uh, we were just kids, and then Uncle Bowen used to come up with his family and business about every five years. Yeah. Uncle Bowen, he was big fella, he was six foot seven and heavily built. Alvin and I were walking downtown when they were coming. They were up and Uncle Bowen was leaning against the old ranch uh, beer potter and he wasn't drunk or anything. He just had his cowboy hat tipped down over his eyes. Some guy come up and and whammed him, you know. Mm -hmm. Uncle Bowen, he took off his eyes. He says, now what in the world did you do that for? And uh, he picked that guy up and he went to throw him. Quite a ways. He's there now. You go and behave yourself. <laughs> he was a big fella, and he was a nice fellow too. Him and my dad were fighting in the Maple Leaf Beer Park, and Alvin and I were outside. And Benny Abbott uh, owned the beer parlor, and he called peace. That was the old pro provincial police, Bill Sharp and Ron Godfrey. They come down to the Maple Leaf. Just then, one of them come flying through the window. There's wow. a big window, you know, like these. I'm flying through there, <laughs> crawled back in and going at it again. And the police said, we're not, there's two of them, Bill Sharp and uh, I think it was Lon Godfrey. Alvin and I were just kids. And, and they they looked in the thing there and uh, they said, we're not going in there. And when they finished fighting, they, they sat down and drinking and then the police went in. You guys got to pay for this damage. They said, oh yeah, we will. You know, I know the old man didn't drink much them days, but it still went every time they got together. When they finished, they all sat down and had beer with each other. Your mom was already dead by then, right? No, she was still alive. What did you think of that kind of thing? Oh, there was times that when we were kids that they'd get in a go like that, and my mom and my grandma right in town, we would be at our grandma's place, and they'd go around getting a scrap, and... So, so our mom would take us down to the old, what do you call it? It was a, not a hotel, but it's a place you could get rooms. And she'd take us to, we were just kids, and take us down there until next day. My dad never did touch my mom. No. But for some reason, him and Uncle Bowen liked to scrap with each other. And Walter must have had that in his blood, because him and I were sitting in an old truck, and he was a couple of years older than me. Truck didn't run, the old pickup, and sitting in there, and he was bugging me, so I hauled off and slapped his face, and I opened the door and jumped out and ran like hell. <laughs> and then I hit, you come back here, he, he, he couldn't catch him because he was drinking. Yep. 
and I was afraid to then finally the evening coming. We were at my grandma's and I sneezed down there and he was in grandma's. He says, Oh come on, I'm not gonna hurt you, he says. How many brothers did your dad have? You see there was uh, Robert and O.C. and Uncle Bowen. I think that was about it, maybe one more. I didn't know sister? I didn't know they had one about four. About four. My grandma, my dad's mom, she lived down the Peabine. Naturally, they'd come in about once a month to get groceries by wagon. I remember only going there once or twice when we were just kids. I was, and it's just a small little place. Yeah. And they had a little lean-to built on. And I slept with uh, Victor, his name, everybody called him Trapper. But we were just kids, and, and I didn't know he had TB. Oh, boy. And uh, uh, he ended up in Kamloops, and he was 21 when he died. And then John, my brother, had to go down and get him and bring him back away and like to bury him. Yeah. He used to put him in the back of his pickup, eh? I remember Victor, he'd come in now and then from people and he'd be, I know what happened, but we were, we were just kids too. He wasn't much older, but Lon Godfrey, he saw him in the pool room, so well, he, come on, he says, he, we were in there too, and, and but he's kicking his arse every he had to step up to the jailhouse, and that cop was Lon Godfrey. I had nothing to eat or anything, I just small, but young. Yeah, yeah. And I, John took me up to his place, which is only not even a quarter of a mile away. And then I was only there a couple of days or something, and I had the mumps. And uh, I heard her in the morning, you got to get that kid out of here. I'm not going to feed him around here all the time. I got up, dressed, took off, walked down to my place, and that, my place was all swollen from the mumps. But I didn't want to stay there when I knew I was not wanted. Where was your place? Juanita and I, but Juanita got working in a cafe or something, or, and then she'd stay with Gran in town. Mm -hmm. And all the time I went to school, from first time I started, my job at Gran's, we were two couple miles from town, and, but my job was to cut her wood and kindling and all that for winter, and my dad would haul her wood in the wintertime by sleigh. Yep. And my job was cutting her wood and cutting her kindling and everything, pack it in for her. And, that was my job when I first started school. I mean, she fed me. Yeah. Uh, we were only five minutes walk from the school. Oh, okay. At dinner time, we'd get out at the recess time. Yeah. No, no, it was dinner time. And uh, it was spring. And, and I threw a snowball at, at the high school kid, Ramsey Blair. Oh, yeah. I him in the back of the neck. And he was going to give me a spanking. Walter, Walter picked him up and turned him upside down and pushed him right down the snowbank at the plow, plowed up. And and I always remember Ramsey's old long legs just a sticking out. <laughs> That's funny. Ramsey, he was good. After he says, I'll always remember that way. And he says, that brother of yours, only a couple of years older than you, but was he ever strong? My dad always cut ties for the railroad in the wintertime. He'd cut uh, up to a uh, thousand ties by hand, and him and my brothers, and haul them off the mountain on a sleigh. And one time they come down, and my dad, he tied a tree behind the sleigh because it's going straight, oh, straight yeah. down. 
Yeah. For like a break. Yeah. To stop the sleeve from getting yeah. out of control. Yeah. Yeah, but it got out of control. The team broke loose, and my, the others jumped off the sleigh. And, yeah. And my dad did too, cause but he said, "Holy crap! It took us days to get that ties all picked up and everything." Yeah, he used to. He he took a a preemption you could get, you know, for cutting so much ties and that. Yeah. He get that. Him and my brothers went up and built a cabin. They stayed there all winter. So when they cut ties, did they have to make them square or just cut them to length? Oh no, no, they cut them to length. They they weren't square. They were they're about this wide. Yeah. And they're nice and smooth on two sides. Oh, okay. And then so the they others were just round, eh? Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, the railroad said they were the best ties they ever had. And that's what my brothers did. Uh, and when they were up in that cabin, there were lots of deer up there, eh? And they got one young one, and it got pretty tame, and it would come, and they could pet it and everything, and, and until they finished off in the spring, uh, when they come down off the mountain, they uh, just left it there. How many brothers would work on that? Seven? I, I had uh, five brothers, because uh, we had... Uh, Seven altogether, uh, but one died at, at birth. His name, they said, was Leonard, but they called the next one that came along, they called him Leonard. My oldest brother, I didn't know him, John, because I guess he'd went to Vancouver when he was young. Him and, him and Irene. Irene was the oldest girl, and John was the oldest boy. And they went and they were living in Vancouver. I didn't know them. First time I met Irene was... Uh, one day in the uh, summer, we were picking uh, choke cherries. Mm-hmm. My mom and grandma and all, all the kids, we had to pick cherries. But Alvin and I would always eat so many. And then we'd get, we got to runs and crapped our pants. Oh, boy. And we were in town at my grandma's. And they put us in a, a tub, you know, the old tubs. Yep. In the bath and this. And, and in comes these people. And we, here we are right in the middle of the living room, bathing, just kids. And I, I was so ashamed, but I didn't know these people. Here it was my sister Irene and her husband. I always remember her husband was, he was a wonderful guy, Walter, what the heck was his last name? They were coming up to visit us from Vancouver yeah. later on. And that old canyon road was horrible. Ernie was driving their friend. But something happened, and uh, I know they got a blowout or something. And you couldn't go fast on that road then. But anyway, he went over the bank, and Walter, Walter threw the little boy, baby, out the window. Yeah. And uh, p- people coming along behind found him crawling around the road. Wow. Yeah. Irene, it killed Walter. The the vehicle rolled on him, and uh, and Ernie was not bad, but Irene was in the hospital for over a year. Didn't you know John later on, though? Wasn't he the one that married Mary? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I knew John later on. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, he kind of, he used to build his own cabins and whatever. That's how I got a little bit know-how to build my, when I built my house. Yeah. I'll also remember that we were playing on the hill in town in Williams Lake as kids, and it was getting near evening, and attacked where Grand lived, it was up on a, on a knoll, yeah. and this taxi coming up over the hill, and we were right in the middle of the road. 
and we jumped out. Mary didn't make it. They ran over her, her head part. She she was lucky. They flew her to Vancouver. And so then, after you married, wasn't there a time when your dad lived in the cabin out behind your house? Yeah, yeah. Well, they still had pea vine. Yeah. And because uh, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't take pea vine when my grandma wanted to sign it over to me. I went hunting that morning. And I got back that evening and. She passed away. Oh yeah. But she sent word to bring Lee Skip, the lawyer, up, want to sign the place over to me. Wow. And them days it wasn't worth nothing. Yeah, now it would be worth a lot. Oh yeah, it was uh, 600 acres and had a couple creeks on it. One yeah. right by the house come, just just a little thing like that, hole yeah. coming out of the mountain, and that watered uh, the garden. And yep. watered the lower field down there when they plant uh, hay for the horses. They never did have cattle. They just kept a, a milk cow. Yeah, it would have been nice to have had that, but I guess you didn't want to fight with your brothers. No, not my brothers. No, they didn't want nothing to do with it neither. My uh, cousins. Oh, okay. Yeah, they made it so bad for Jack and my dad that my dad and Jack gave them $1,000 each and... I remember when we was living in Prince George, we went down to uh, Carrie's mom's funeral, and I was there, and uh, old Marvin come come right out of the bush. And I guess that's when Bud, I didn't know, Bud kicked him out of the cabin that we, I built Alvin and I, Bud must have kicked him out. But he was li- must have been living in the bush, he come out of the bush, and we were at the graveside, and he come, Wayne, give me five bucks. I, I did. I pulled out some money. He was just skin and bones. Tough days. And then you went to try to get a job in a mill, and you were only 13, and they wouldn't hire you. Right, doctor. Uh, I always remember Gordon Bruce, the, the manager. Yeah. He's Wayne, I can't hire you. You're not even a teenager. I, I says, but I can do it. No, he says, I can't, just can't by law, Wayne. Come back when you're 16, and, and I'll hire you. So then I, that's why I went out. My brother Walter worked in a, in a mill way in the bush. And they didn't care who the hell you were as long as you could do the job. Yeah. When you killed me the first month or so, because packing slabs on a little walkway like that, and it wasn't far off the ground, eh? but I'd fall off there so many times. But then I'd get behind on uh, getting off from the Sawyer. And when I did get behind, I'd stay at dinner time and catch up. I thought uh, your first job was with the guys hauling or doing concrete. We were. My first job was uh, concrete. Uh, uh, Wheelbarrow and our thing, we were building a dam on, on uh, Deep Creek, they called it. It's about 10 miles up the highway from from uh, where we live. I found that pretty tough. But at dinner, dinner time, lunchtime, the boss, Wayne, he said, you never spilt no... Uh, cement, but you're doing a good job, but you're struggling. And how about putting, I think it was five scoops of gravel and one shovel full of uh, cement yeah. in the mixer. Oh, I said, okay. I said, okay. And I found that way better, way easier. I'll always remember that he was so good to me. In little mills, I worked in quite a few little mills. One job I had was uh, skinning logs in a bush out on the old Towards Likely. I don't know if you remember the 53. We were down across that meadow and up on that little ridge. And my dad was working there too. 
And then my my dad got me a, a team of horses to skid logs into the mill. Oh, okay. But no bloody mitts. No. Nope. In my hands, I guess what? Well, then them tongs. They, I don't know if oh, you yeah, ever saw yeah, them. the big metal tongs. That, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then my my hands would be I guess warm, and then took the skin off, you know. Oh boy. And oh, and I I pull my jacket down over my whatever, you know. Yeah. And then and then so I I'm gonna go and get some socks or something in the bunkhouse. So I tied the team up and I went. Took me about twenty minutes or more. And see uh, my dad come back at lunchtime. He says, "You don't ever leave that horse team like it is." Like you did, yeah, and you go and I says, yeah, but look at my hands. I got no mitts, got nothing. Well, you got to put up with something if you want to live. How old would you been then? Thirteen, twelve? Yeah, I was about thirteen. I worked first at that building that dam. I think I was yeah. twelve, and then I, then I worked at Jim Johnson. So I was about thirteen. I mean, my dad never ever 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 spanked me, and my mom used to do all the spanking. The oldest one always had to look after the youngest one, eh? Yeah. And Alvin and I were, I was older than Alvin a little bit. We were sitting at that bank, not far from our place, and down on the creek, you could see quite a ways down below. Yeah. Springtime. And down not too far, there was a ravine where we had a trail to go down fishing, and when May the 24th fishing season would open. But anyway, we were sitting on this bank, and Alvin run, I said, what are you doing? He got a ways away, and and then he picked up this tire that he rolled out before, and he ran down that trail, and I ran after him, couldn't catch him. He jumped on, and put that on there, jumped on that tube on that creek, yeah. fell off, and that's all I saw was his arm sticking out of the water. I thought, what am I going to tell my mom? Yeah. I get home, and he, his arm hit a little tree there. By gum, he pulled himself out. <laughs> he got out. How old was he? Oh, we were we were small. Like what, six, seven, eight? Yeah, about that. When I don't think we were eight. We got home. Oh boy, did I get her. Well, none of you could swim, right? No. Didn't you almost drown when you were on the log uh, rafts? Oh, I was work- No, no, I was working uh, out at. Uh, I was working for Lignum's out at Likely, and I got pissed off at uh, McDonald. Uh, he was he was a good guy really, but he really cranky. So I went down and I was supposed to run in the forklift. And this Japanese guy come at used to run the forklift at, at the mill, but he went driving tr- Lignum's truck. Eh? Oh, okay. Saturday five o'clock or so, he never come in for me to load. So I went down to the store, Carrie and I, because it's, it's going to close at six. He come in then, and then he went and told Wendell, oh, Wayne wasn't here to load me and all this, and I had to load myself. And so Wendell come and give me crap and. I said, tell you what, Wendell, you can shove his job right up your know what. Yeah. <laughs> and I, Art Goyette had a mill about two miles down by the river. Yeah. I went down there the next day and uh, to Art, and he said, sure, Wayne, come work for me. I'll, I'll show you how to run a forklift. He was a Frenchman, and his crew was watching us. And Art goes, he says, I'll show you how to start this. And he gets down there and rolls down the hill, <laughs> rolled it on a oh, side, no. eh? Yeah. And the guys were laughing their head off. Art was cursing in French and everything. Yeah. And uh, I laughed. That's where I put in the drone way. I, I was uh, poking uh, logs from the pond to the thing. I took the logs up to the sawyer. Yeah. And I made a mistake. Pike pole had a 
hook on the end like this, yep. about this long. And then, but I'd had a spear. I made a mistake of putting it just in one that was straight and yanking. Yep. And it's just your catwalk and I fell in the bloody river. And I couldn't get out. There's clear water. And I said, what am I going to do? I, I tried to go. There was a, quite a current. And, and then I seen a guy pushing a pike pole down to me. I grabbed it with one hand. They pulled me out. Fortune, the canter, he saw me fall in. And he had to run quite a ways to get down to me. And they got me out of there on that catwalk. And <laughs> then after they seen I was puking up water and everything, they seen I was okay. They started to laugh. They said, Wayne, you look like a drowned rat. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of my job there. You couldn't swim at all. Well, you just sat on the bottom looking yeah. around? Yeah. Wow. Nice, clear water, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All my life before that went before me. It was just so plain. I went home. Went back to the where Carrie and I were staying. I was soaking wet. And I, what happened? I said, I fell in the bloody river and they fetched me out. But we were living about two, three miles upriver in an old cabin. Oh, yeah. And Carrie was scared there for bears. Oh, okay. But uh, I said, okay, we'll go back to town. We went back to Williams Lake and worked in town. It was 57. That new mill come into town and uh, and I was working at Ligny. That's when that we were wondering what that guy was doing, parking up by the cemetery, and half a day he stayed there. What, what that guy doing anyway? And then uh, at quitting time, he come down and come to me, and he, he introduced himself and showed Vanderzam, his name was. He says, would you like to come to work for me? And I got a new, brand new forklift for you. If you want to come, how much getting an hour here? I says, I'm getting dollar twenty-five. He says, you give, I'll give you a dollar seventy-five if you come Monday morning. So I told my boss, yeah. Stu Smith, yeah. I says, Joe Vandevander, that new guy, he offered me dollar seventy-five to run a brand new forklift. He says, go, Wayne, go. Pretty, pretty well all my family worked there, eh? Yeah. Yeah, they were really good lignums. I left lignums in 1967 because the last job, last job there was hauling lumber from Tatlioka, which is long ways from the mill. What year did you get married? 1959. Didn't Carol's father take you for a ride up the road and you thought he was going to kill you? Yeah, he took me up on <laughs> top of the mountain and I got out and I put my hands behind my back. I said, you go ahead and do whatever you want, Chris. I won't hit you. You know, and no, I said, no, no, I just want to wonder what you're going to do. I said, well, if you let me, I'll marry her. He never said nothing, but yeah. What was her mom's name? Ivy? Huh? What was her mom's name? Ivy? Yeah, Ivy. Yeah. But one time I was uh, not too long after marrying, I was, I was drinking in the Maple Leaf beer parlor. Yeah. And Chris come in, his, her dad, and I was sitting at the table with the guys, and he come in and, you're going to get out of here. I said, you go piss yourself or whatever. Yeah. He went up to the bartender, Jack Abbott, and he says, don't give that guy no more beer. And Jack says, I can't stop him. He says, he, he's not doing no harm or whatever. So anyway, Chris went, and I guess I got drunk, and I went down to Chris's that when I got back and I ended up taking him down on the floor. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I would never would never hit him. I never, never, I don't didn't like to hit anybody. I only hit one man in my life, and that was in... Uh, when I was in prison, but I took him down on the floor. 
I, I, when I sobered up, Ivy was going to, Ivy said she was going to hit me in the head with a stick of wood. <laughs> <laughs> Chris had given us five years at the most when we got married. Yeah. But I got to give it to him. He apologized after, after we, over, over five years he came. I'm sorry. He said, I'm sorry. How did you ever get to prison? You weren't that old. 57. Never. I was 20, I was 20, I was 20, 20? 21. And you'd never done any time before, and yet they sent you to Ocala. Yeah. Wow. Wasn't it a maximum security prison? Yeah, and uh, we knew a guy, we, we worked with him at the same mill, Bobby Keneally, and him and my brother Walter fought every Saturday, just, and then they'd work together. Yeah. But that's the way the days were, and uh, Bobby was in, in the uh, penitentiary and knew us minister. Yeah. Before, and and he says, oh, Wayne, you had a tough going into Ocala there. He says, because he was in there at the time until he got transferred to the penitentiary again. Yeah. And uh, he says, that's a crappy place to, when you first go in, you're, you're locked up and you uh, get put in a cell and you only get uh, one day, not even a day, half a day, maybe a couple hours out in the yard, you know, it's yeah. all hemmed in and guards walking around, guns. That's where I met that little Yugoslavian guy. So him and I just sit, sit down and he was hard to understand. He couldn't talk much English. Yeah. And I got, I got his picture. I don't think we still got it. He said he got off a ship in Vancouver and it was dark and he says a bunch of young guys grabbed this guy and got him down and took his wallet and everything and then took off and, and, uh, but they'd beat him up, and and just then the police come, and and all them young guys pointed to him. Hmm. That guy done that, and they put him in. They never did. I wrote two letters to the attorney general. Yeah. And never did get an answer. I told him I said this young fellow is, he's getting pretty fidgety, and I was in uh, about two three months before they put me in a place where people my age and. You go go in a work thing, eh? I I drove the garbage truck, not not the garbage. It was getting stuff from the kitchen and taking it down to the pigs. Oh yeah. Yeah, and uh, we'd get uh, out there. Him and I sitting there and talking and but then this after a while got kind of moody. He never said nothing, but yeah. I went to go sit beside him and he's going, mm. yeah. you know, I go, oh, oh something's wrong. with so I left him alone. But next morning, they, he was only about two cells down from me, and uh, they uh, found him hanging in his cell. Wow. Yeah, he ripped a blanket and hung himself. He, I, I still got his picture. His name was Nick. How did uh, how did you end up there anyways? In jail? Yeah, because you hadn't done anything. Didn't you get a pardon later on, a letter? I got a letter from the parole board. When, uh, I was in Ocala twice. Once when Tom, my brother-in-law, yeah, Oneit married Oneit. Okay, his their little guy Paddy used to come to me when we every time he ran to me and I'd pick him up, eh? Yeah. No matter whether I was sober or drunk, but this time I drunk, and uh, Oneit was afraid that I'd fall down and on him and hurt him. I says I don't. Paddy would, would just hug me tight, eh? Mm-hmm. And I said, look, he he don't want to get down, and and she called the police. Oh boy. They were living in the cabin there, and, and Pearl and Roy lived, oh, five-minute walk away. So I went down there to Pearl's, 
and I was at the, I was going to go uh, hunting uh, probably next day, so I had my rifle at, at at Pearls, but I was bending over the table, uh, getting well, what was I doing? Counting shells or doing something? I was drunk. Yeah. First thing I know, somebody grabbed me from behind around the neck. Yeah. Yeah. This, this policeman, and uh, he had his police car parked about a quarter of a mile away, because he. he Got my arm behind my back, and I was drunk. And uh, but I, as if you don't let go of that arm, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever I can to get away. Yeah, I, I'll walk beside you if you let it go. So he let it go. And then when he come down my Monday morning uh, yeah. to the police station, and I'll always remember old Murdoch, the head cop there. He says, "You got to charge him." When he says, "No, he, I don't want to charge him." He never hurt my boy, but I was afraid he was going to. And he says, "That's uh, that. Don't matter what you want. I'm, we're charging him." Wow! So he charged me with assault. And you know that's still on my record today. Assault. Yeah, when he says I do not want to charge him, uh, and Murdoch says you got to charge him. Was that he the said, first time or the second time? First time. And so, how long did you spend? On a little boy. I had four months definite and. Two years indefinite or something. So how long did you spend eventually? Four four months. Four months and then out. Yeah, four months and then I, the night before you go before the parole board, you know, uh, I went before the parole board, but the day before, in the evening we we doing our work in the gym. We was painting in the gym. Yeah. And I was up on the ladder and Billy Case, he was also from Williams Lake and he was in there too, and I knew him. And he slapped my face with this paintbrush up, and, and I'll always remember Mr. Pritchard, uh, the guard in, in charge of us. And uh, when I got down off that ladder, I was going to give Billy a licking. And Mr. Pritchard says, Tresera, they're not allowed to call you by your first name. And he says, don't do it. Don't do it. You, you've been doing well in here. And uh, if you if you fight now... I'll have to put that on re- report, and you're going before the pro board tomorrow night. So I didn't. And uh, by gum, when I went before the pro board, uh, they handed me a letter, and they said, you give this to whoever your grandma, because they know all your history, eh? Yeah. And uh, Noni was there, too, at, at uh, grandma's. They said, you give this to your grandma when you get home or whoever, and uh, don't open it. So I did, and I guess Noni, I think it was, read it to Gran, and it said, this young man should never have been any institution. He, he, there is absolutely nothing that we can see that he should have been in here because his sister said she didn't want to charge him. She just wanted him not to be picking up the little guy when he was drunk. Yeah. So that went on for a while, and then, holy crap, and then I got with that other... The second time? How was that about... That was about, uh, then I found out what this guy working at P&T Mill. And I guess Carrie used to walk to school quite a bit of time. Yeah. And he picked her up and he uh, took the handle off the inside door. No boy. Yeah. And uh, he raped her. And she was so afraid to tell anybody. Yeah. And when she told me, she says, I've got to tell you something. You probably won't like it, and you probably won't like me no more. I says, no, no, I will. You tell me. So I, she told me 
So I went and told her dad, and him and I went up there. Only five minute drive up there. And he answered the door, him and his wife. And uh, Chris told him, my daughter said, you gave her a ride to school and you never took her. You, you raped her. The guy says, I never did. And Chris says, well, we'll see about that. And uh, that's about, about, about it. So I was going to, next week I was going to go hunting. So Vern, my brother-in-law, yeah. he was the boss at all for him and I always kept our rifles in the office, but we ne we always had our shells at home. Eh? They never had no shells in the office. We didn't want to leave them there, the shells. So uh, I was going to go hunting. So that from where Terry lived was right there. So I went and got my rifle out of the office, but I am uh, going to go down to Grand's where I was staying. And I thought, I'm going to stop in at this guy's place. And I did. And but I leaned the gun up against, I, I, I was drinking. Yeah. And leaned my gun up against the side of the thing by the door. And then when I stepped back up a bit and he answered the door and his wife was there too. And I said, you want, you want to come out here? Uh, he never said nothing, but he must have glanced and saw the gun leaning against the, right by his door. Yep. He grabbed it and, and I grabbed, he grabbed the butt. And he had to stop, and I had the barrel, and I couldn't get it. Yeah, and he got it out of my hands, and then uh, he slammed the door. So I went home next morning. Cop come, and I told him what happened. I says, I says the gun is empty, as you can see. I says I, the shells were home. Talk to Vern Ashley; he'll tell you that we never had no shells. We either left the gun or the shells, whatever, in the office there. That I was charged with assault with a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did you do that time? Another four months. Yeah, and then out after four months. They let, oh, I had to be on on uh, probation for uh, what was it? Two year probation or something. Carol wrote you letters every day. Every her every day. Yeah. After when you first go in there, in old old Ocala, it took them about two three months before they get all your history. You're locked up all day long, whatever you get to one once a week out in the yard or whatever. But after they get all what they know about you in the, in the school and they all this and that, and it took three months and then they put me in with uh, people of my own, my own age. Yeah. And uh, there's 20 guys to a tier. So anyway, you're in that room and, I was, uh, and there's another young native boy next cell to mine. But we. You got a long table. Well, there's 20 of you in there. Yeah. And uh, they bought uh, breakfast or something, and I went down. And you got your place. You got your certain place you sit. So I, I had to get up and walk. Oh, from probably just about from here to the bushes over there to get a drink, get the water. And I come back, and this guy was in my place. I said, "Could you please move? We got to sit in this place, you know." He said, you want your breakfast? I said, yeah. He grabbed it and threw it on the floor. <laughs> so I pretend I bend down and pick it up. And that's the only man I ever hit when I was not drinking. And knocked him cold in a cucumber. And guards come running. And who did this? No, nobody squeals on anybody. I never said nothing. I went back to my cell before when they called us all out. And I just stood there. And that uh, meathead come to and they took him away. But he was haywire anyway. 
the other guys usually tease him. Hey, uh-huh. hey, he'd always have his thing pulled up like a little girl or whatever. Yeah. Like, their roof was no higher than this one, eh? Yeah. But they'd go up there and try to break the glass and get out, and they'd get out. But then they'd get caught, and yeah. and they might only have a week to go. Wow. And we said, I'd say, what What do you guys do that for? And you only had a week to go. And then, oh, yeah, but we got nothing to go to. And mom and dad's all drinking and whatever, and we get fed in here. So they wanted to get caught. Yeah. We play cards before before you uh, go into where you can work and everything. You're in that place. We play cards, eh? And uh, they let us out of our cell, but it's just a little thing, a long hallway with yeah. the bars down there all along. We'd play cards. They were nice young fellas. Were they still hanging people in Ocala? They hung the last guy when I was in there in 1958, I think it was. Yeah? Yeah. Where did they do that? In an old elevator shaft. Oh, really? Yeah, you could hear that when they let the the, the, the door drop. Yeah. Yeah, you could hear it bang. Oh, yeah. Man. In the rest of the... In the rest of the that nerves. was the last guy hung right there. Felt sorry for that young fella that hung himself. Yeah. He was so nice, and he was a nice-looking young man. Yeah. Coming from Yugoslavia. So when you were in there, did you guys already have kids? No. No, 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 no. Yeah. We were, were you married. married. We you were married. married yet. No. I was bad for drinking. Yeah. But I never did hurt nobody. So then you got married, and you had the yeah. first girl, right? Judy? Judy Ann, yeah. She was five, six months old when she died. Wow. Just one evening, she was fussy, so Carrie put her in her crib, and, and uh, she went down to her mom's, which wasn't very far away. Yeah. And uh, I was there, and she was, Julianne was crying, crying, crying. She stood up in her crib, and I tried to stop her from crying, but she didn't. So when Carrie come, we t- I said, she's cried all the time you were going, Carrie, and she said, yeah, I know there's something wrong with her. So we took her to the doctor, Dr. Atwood, and uh, put her in the hospital. But she only, I think, a couple of days and she died. Wow. But we were in there when she when she did pass away. and Because he grabbed her out of the her little crib and, uh, and put this thing over her mouth and tried to resuscitate her. But he couldn't. Sad days. Yeah. Because Carol was only what? How old was she then? I think she was 16. Yeah. Alvin and I built that. We built that cabin first to live in until we built a house. Yeah. I got the loader from Lignum's and just about five miles from. So I, but then I got that and I dug the basement. Yeah. And then the foreman at the sawmill says, one, can you build me a road? I mean, it wasn't too far from there, about a mile from where I was building mine. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll build you a road. So I did. And he was pretty well building too, you know, Jake Hoagie. So Alvin and I built that cabin. And then so Terry and I moved in there. And then Alvin and I built the house. Yeah. The biggest thing was pouring the cement. Oh, the pump broke down. We were getting water from the well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was down there trying to get it going, and the guys never 
tamped when they put the poured the cement lake. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And it, then when I took things off, there was a crack all the way down. Right? This one. Yeah. So I plastered that up with tar or whatever it was. But never had no trouble leaking. So when I built a chimney, block chim block chimney. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a 45 gallon uh, big stove uh, drum in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's really kept the place warm. Wasn't it you that put the board on the chimney to smoke out the... the oh, rug? yeah, yeah. Them guys were all drinking, and so I knew they'd be hungover in the morning, so they were staying in a cabin, and I, I went in, and they were all in sleep. So I started the fire, and they didn't wake up, so I got my ladder and put it up there and, and plugged the chimney. <laughs> pretty soon, I was sitting on my back porch watching. Pretty soon, they come out coughing and everything, and they, Holy cow, this place is burned down. <laughs> you saw me laughing, you bugger, you. <laughs> but I thought your dad was living in the basement when they broke his leg. No, he was living in that cabin. In the cabin? Walter, yeah. Him and For some reason, him and Walter always fought when they got together. Yeah. So Walter broke his leg, fighting? I, I guess so, I don't know, yeah. I don't know, but I called the police anyway. Yeah. And... Uh, they uh, took Walter, and then they, this young cop grabbed my dad's arm, and he grabbed his arm. My, my dad tucked the priest's arm like that, and he held it like that, and he says, I'm going to bed. And he, the old cop, was, his feet were skidding on the ground, and he says, Wayne, help me. And I says, no, just let him go. He says, he's fine. I says, just take Walter. So, so they let him go. <laughs> and that... That was one of the reasons we moved away from Williams Lake. Yeah. Uh, family problems like that. My family. I mean, they're drinking plenty every weekend. Yeah. When they sold the place, when my dad sold the place in the Peabine, well, they had no place to go. Well, they did have a place, but at first they stayed a couple of winters. And I went out to see them in the summertime because there was really no road, just an old skid trail. Yeah. into the cabin. So I go and went there. Leonard, I guess he was walking home one weekend from the road and uh, he had a heart attack. That was 69 when we moved to Prince George. Oh boy. Who'd you work for there? I worked for a guy that had an outfit. He was from Williams Lake and he bought had a new truck so I took that to Elvin McLeod's going to get it but he he left and he, he come back to Williams Lake and he told me that the new truck would be here in a couple of weeks or so so I went up there and I got the job the, the trucker said Wainers are greater there why don't you run that for us and roads so rough I said okay I'll run the greater and so yeah. I did that for I don't know a couple of weeks or so and then the truck came and then I went on that well after that I went to this mill little mill that Vern was running. Vern Ashley, my brother-in-law, Alvin and I, it was just a little mill right by the plywood plant. And Vern, my brother-in-law, well, we were running cottonwood. Mm. And gee, that stuff would dry and it, it breaks up when you put it in, jam up or going up the blower. So Vern comes and told me, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I said, oh, why the hell don't you give me some help, somebody to help me? I said, I can't do all this. Uh, by that big, uh, what, what's his name, big native fella. Vern put him with me. Yeah. And uh, 
and and he was always egging me on. Tell him, go tell that brother-in-law of yours. So, so, and Vern said, I told Vern, I said, you shove this right up the air hole, you know what. You know, so I said, I'm going. So the owner of the outfit was running a loader over there, just whatever. And so I went to him and he says, don't, don't leave Wayne. I said, yeah, I can't stand that guy. I said, he's not going to tell him. Go and tell him that I said, I said, that you can stay. I said, well, I don't want to really, I don't really want to. Anyway, I went back to Vern. I said, okay, Lauren said, uh, maybe I could, should stay. He said, no, you can't stay. You said you were going to go. I said, goodbye. <laughs> when did you go after that? That's when you went to Burger? Yeah, I went to Burger and Rainer. They were good to you. Oh, they were. They were really good to me. And uh, I remember when I, First got on truck. I was used to the old four and five transmissions. You got two transmissions. Yeah. And uh, but this one was new trucks. And I told Gordy, gee, I don't know how to handle that. And oh, come on, he says, we'll take you around the block. So I did. It wasn't too bad. So they were good to me. They were going to give me that truck hmm. and haul them to uh, Dunkley Lumber. Yeah. And that was the best meal I ever hauled into. They had old Ralph Jardine in the shop. I know if you remember, there's a railroad uh, bridge between over the highway about uh, 20, 30 miles down from Prince George. Yeah. Okay, we had to go under that, so you had to watch it. That's how I got the job at Bourbon Rainer, the driver before. Rode up it? too high yeah. and, and then hit that bridge, and Louis caught crap from the railroad. So anyway, I got a job there. After that, all well, quite a bit. Uh, when I first went to Burger Rainer down, uh, we hauled uh, into town, in uh, the mill in town, and uh, done that for a couple of years, and then two winters down at Dunkley hauling off highway, and then went back hauling around from whoever, that's when Joe and Louis and bought that 160 acres up at uh, uh, north of Prince George, whatever that is. Salmon Valley? Not, no, no, not far, not that far. Only a couple miles up the highway from uh, Prince George. Oh, okay. And uh, up the Hart Highway. Yeah. So we put on all the water lines and all this in the subdivision. Yeah. At breakup. So that was that, that was good. They had to sell all their stuff, eh? But they kept that one truck. Yeah. And they said you you keep that Wayne and uh, we'll we'll keep it working because we know all the guys that. Uh, take contracts for the meal. So how many hours a day were you working in the winter? I'd probably, I'd, I'd usually go out about around uh, four, four or five in the morning. Yeah. But I'd, I'd get home around five. But Louie and him really liked me and when they sold everything, well, I ran the faller bunchers and all that over the, at an auction. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but they kept that one truck for me. They kept me working. Is that who you were working for when you brought the big lobe deck back with the backhoe on it? Oh, oh that was quite a bit before. Yeah. They sent me up the Hart Highway, probably about, must have been a good 50, 60 miles, to get a a cat. I took a 980 up with me, and oh, Lloyd Bush Road, it was near spring, and I... Spun out, I couldn't make a hail, so I just unloaded the, the loader and done a little scraping with that. 
and then I made it there and then put the loader back on and I went in and got this D8 and put that on and got out by the main highway. There's a little cafe there. I forget what it's called. It's about... McLeod Lake or something? Yeah, McLeese? around there, yeah. A little cafe. I thought, well, really, it must have been seven o'clock at night or whatever, six o'clock. Dark, anyway. Figured I'd get something to eat while I went in there. There's a bunch of guys in there. I never ate nothing. I got drunk. I didn't remember getting home. I didn't I didn't remember nothing. I and you're driving with that low bed with a D8 on the back. Yeah. I got home and I guess I fell out of the truck and so Terry called up Pastor Geiger. Yeah. He came over and helped me in the house. And then uh, I told him, I got to get that truck. I got to take that truck back to the shop. He's all way you do. No, you don't have to do that. I said, oh yeah, I do. He, he said, I insisted. So, well, I wasn't far from my place, eh? Yeah. He said, I went over there and and there's uh, four or five trucks parked there, but there's one spot there. He says, I went back between them like nothing, fell out, laid there on the ground. He, he helped pick me up and took me. Not His house wasn't very far from there. Right. Took me over there. He said he prayed with me, and he says, I accepted the Lord. Never touched a booze since then. So that's a good 45 years. I never wanted it. Yeah. Never wanted it again. Well, and you and he stayed pretty good friends all through the years. Yeah, I took Don's little car. Yeah. Hunting one day, fall, and uh, I got that moose. For some reason, I didn't fall that day or whatever, and uh, I got a, I got that moose. And so I uh, told one of the boys on uh, logging trucks, I said, could you get a hold of somebody and phone my wife and tell her to get Pastor Geiger uh, to come out with his van I, uh, so I can get this moose. I can't put it in a little car. So I guess he come <laughs> Carrie and his wife come, come with him. And then Carrie said, hey, his, Mrs. Geiger is telling him, Cecil, slow down on the, on the long road. And the guys are in the truck, they tell me, who is that guy, Wayne, that is coming out to help you? I says, Oh, I said, my pastor, he said, he's crazy, he's just about run into us. <laughs> he's, he's, he's traveling like crazy on some of them corners. I was riding in the front with him, naturally, and carrying yep. and her in the back. And he was going so fast, and she fell off the bloody chair. And she said, Cecil, slow down, I can't get up. She fell on the floor. <laughs> he, he says, well, just get up. And she says, I can't, he's going so fast. <laughs> oh, crap. He, he was funny. But he come out there, we used uh, Don's little car, to, like his van had the doors open, just push it, back him up against the bank, eh? and then I used a little car to pull it into the oh, yeah. van. You know, the van you got in, you just put it on near the, that uh, oh, sliding door, sliding door. Oh, pull it, you pull yeah. the moose in with you, the... Yeah. With him. Yeah. That's funny. But I had to laugh, Mrs. Geiger and Terry pushing on the moose as if they could do anything. Yeah. yeah. And then I was so glad he got moose on his own once he was out cutting wood out there in the past the mill or Clear yeah. Lake and took his gun along and he got a moose. He went back to his van or whatever. Some guys were there. And they said, That's our moose. He said, No, no, that's not your moose. I got that moose and it's mine. Walter, they done the same thing for him. Walter worked down along that road uh, 
and then you turn down the buckhorn road. Yep, yeah, yeah, buckhorn, yeah. Well, Walter fallen for a mill out there, and uh, he shot a moose, and the bloody thing ran in the lake. Yeah. And uh, so he he went home. He didn't have too far to go, probably five, six miles to get back to his ranch to get a boat. Yeah. So he come back with the boat, and there's guys pulling the moose out. And he said, you know, it's my moose. And uh, uh, he said there was three or four of them, and they had their rifles. And uh, he said, no, no, that's my moose. I got it, and I went home to get the boat to pull it out of there. They said, well, maybe it was yours then, but it's not yours now. He said they were holding their rifles, so he figured he better leave them alone. Yeah. So how big was that moose you pulled into the Geiger's van? That was a big moose. Big yeah, bull. I can imagine if you had to pull it in with a car. Big bull. How, yeah. how many pounds, you think? Oh, it probably on a live weight, it would have probably went at least 1,200, 1,400. Yeah. Poor van must have just been on the ground. Well, if you didn't hunt moose in those days, you didn't, there wasn't enough money to go buying beef everywhere. Yeah, we used to buy half a beef off Walter. Walter would let his cattle go up on the mountain, eh? Because that's what the ranchers can do, eh? Yeah. Because they feed on... Well, good grass all all summer, and he'd he'd always keep one open for one for himself to kill it before he took it in and give him all this other junk. So we'd buy half off him. Nice. Probably and, still didn't taste as good as a moose though. No. And then Lauren and I, Egan, we got no sooner turned off. We was coming back. We never got one way back and Clear Lake Road, but just about just. On the Blackwater, we just about got to the main road, and uh, here's a bull moose run across the clearing. I jumped out and shot it, mm -hmm. and uh, we thought it was legal. Here we ended up looking in the book, and we weren't legal. We weren't allowed to shoot a big bull. Oh, okay. Yeah. We didn't know, but nobody come and caught us. There's a plane when we, was, when we were gutting it, it, circling around up there. Yeah. So we thought, we better get the heck out of here. And when it took off, we hurried up and got it, got it going and went up, took it home. We thought maybe they might have had some kind of a binoculars or something to get our license number or whatever. Yeah. But it, like we, we thought it would be very unlikely because it would hard to show up up there. Yeah. Yeah, we used to, and then we'd take it to the guy at Butcher's and, and everything, 25 cents a pound, that, that's, that's pretty good. I was coming loaded on uh, on 100 Road, and uh, here's this coming around the corner, and here's this buck standing up on the edge of the road. So I had my rifle with me, so I thought, oh, I better, I'll shoot that and give it to Pastor Geiger. And so I did. Put it in the back of my tray, in my, you know, where when you empty, you got your, where you put right. your, yeah. The chains and the wrappers yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I put them up on there, got them out, and Put him up there, got in there, told Pastor Gary, come and get your your, your deer. <laughs> Did he like it? Yeah, yeah. He was just a down-to-earth guy. Mm-hmm. And I used to like to help him around the church, fixing up things or whatever, the roof and whatever we done, a bit on that. And well, the fire's almost down. What time is it anyway? I don't know. Half past one. Is it? Yeah. Time for a nap. Oh, I don't nap. <clears throat> Getting old. It happens. Okay. See you later.